Good morning and happy Burns night, or it will be tonight. And tonight for my tea, I'm going to be having this. Well, not all of it, but a bit of it. And this is the haggis that I'll be having tonight. And um, it's full of yummy bits of meat and pepper and lots of lovely spices to make it taste amazing. But did you know that there's controversy over the origins of the haggis? In 2009, the world of haggis was rocked by controversy. While most of us might think of it as a quintessentially Scottish dish, Catherine Brown, a Glasgow-born food historian, claimed to have discovered a cookery book from 1615 proving that the great chieftain of the pudding race was actually an English invention. Her fellow Scots were outraged. There was no way a Sassanac could have come up with such a brothid, they growled. As one Edinburgh haggis maker scowled, I didn't hear of Shakespeare writing a poem about haggis. So who's right? Well, it's hard to say. Haggis's origins are shrouded in mystery. There's no telling where or when it came into being. Some believe it was brought over by the Romans, although evidence is scarce. Their version, made from pork, probably made, began as a rudimentary means of preserving meat during hunts. So much, however, is conjecture. Not until 1513, as Haggis attested in an identifiably Scottish text, it appears, albeit fleetingly, in a verse by William Dunbar, a poet associated with the court of James VI. But even then, there's no sense of it being claimed as a distinctly Scottish or even English dish. It was just something people ate. For the next century or so, Haggis remained a culturally non-specific food. As Catherine Brown was rightly pointed out, it's found in Gervais Markham's The English Huss Wife, 1615, a decidedly idiosyncratic book of recipes and remedies which went on to become something of a bestseller. It also features in Thomas Hobbes' translation of Homer's Odyssey, where it is used to translate um, a paunch full stuffed with mi minced meat. So when did it become Scottish? What does that tell us about the formation of Scottish identity? Curiously, the first people to identify haggis as Scottish were not the Scots, but the English. There were two reasons for this. The first was a shift in patterns of consumption. By the end of the 17th century, the English diet had begun to change. As the agricultural revolution swept the country, productivity increased dramatically, making a wider range of better quality produce available to more people. This drastically reduced the market for offal, and dishes like haggis began to go out of fashion. In Scotland, however, precisely the opposite process took place. The late 17th century had been a period of economic decline. Seven years of severe famine had been followed by a devastating crash. There had admittedly been a slight recovery after the Act of Union with England in 1707, but the gains were unevenly felt. While many landlords saw their incomes grow, many poorer tenant farmers found themselves prized out of their homes. Without land or livelihood, their living conditions declined markedly. This increase in the popularity of haggis, since its ingredients were all inexpensive, it was something that even the poorest could afford. So while the haggis had virtually disappeared from England by the mid-18th century, it was booming in Scotland. The second and most important reason was political. Not long after the Act of Union, the United Kingdom was convulsed by the Jacobite Risings, a series of attempts made by the descendants of the deposed James II to regain the throne. Those, these had, though these had all been crushed, they had left an unpleasant taste in the mouth. Among the English there was profound resentment. 
while they were happy enough to welcome well-born Scots into the London society and held Scottish soldiers in high esteem, they regarded most Scots, especially Highlanders, with undisguised contempt. Vitriolic attacks were published in the press and cartoons depicting Scots as godless barbarians began to appear. Food was a common focus. Samuel Johnson, in his Dictionary of 1755, defined oats as a grain which in England is generally given to horses, but in Scotland supports the people. Haggis was a natural target in a satire for the Briton to buy a Smollett claims that the very prospect of a Caledonian haggis turned his stomach. The Scots were not the sort to take this line down. Their pride having been wounded, they made a conscious effort to define themselves as different from the English and to claim haggis as their own with pride. In Robert Burns' Address to the Haggis of 1786, he implicitly acknowledged that there was a connection between food and character. Other nations might have their ragu, olio or fricassees, he argued, but that sort of food only turned a man into a weakling. As a feckless as a withered rash, his spindle shank, his thin legs, as good whiplash, his neave, his fist, is a knit, a nut. Haggis, by contrast, was the sort of food real men were made of. Those who ate it made the earth resound with their tread and could cut heads off their enemies as easily as if they were the tops of thistles. If the English wanted to sneer at it, that was their business, but they'd better watch out. Haggis's origins will always be controversial. As long as there are burned suppers, there'll be people arguing over whether the great chieftain is really Scottish. Debating its origins shows us that national dishes are always slightly artificial construction and that food tastes better when prejudice, prejudice is left aside.